0: chapter 25 of paul a herald of the cross this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by heidi olson paul a herald of the cross by florence m kingsley chapter 25 retribution "'A deputation from the Jewish council awaits the king,' announced the groom of the Bedchamber with an elaborate obeisance. "'A pest on the Jewish council,' muttered Agrippa, scowling. "'What do the fellows want at this hour in the morning?' "'It hath to do with the Nazarene Peter,' replied Blastus, "'who played the part of a judicious go-between betwixt his royal master "'and the troublesome world without the palace walls.' "'And what of him? The knave dies to-day!' "'Afterward I shall return to Caesarea.' "'They say that he hath escaped from the prison, excellent majesty,' said Blastus, wrinkling his forehead deprecatingly. "'But if it be so, the man can easily be—' "'Show the Jews in at once!' interrupted Agrippa, with an imperious gesture. "'How now, my lords!' he said in a tone of manifest displeasure, as the deputation from the Sanhedrin was ushered into his presence ye have perhaps seen fit to interfere with my provisions for the safety of the prisoner and by so doing have allowed the fellow to escape not so my lord the king replied the son of annas the man was bound betwixt two soldiers and guarded by four quaternions even as thou didst command but this morning his fetters were found empty if perchance the king's clemency hath been implored and he hath taken this way to release the man it is enough to say the word think ye then that i dare not openly release the knave had i been minded so to do demanded agrippa the veins of his forehead swelling with rage by apollo man thou hast mistaken me of whom should i be afraid the sanhedrists looked at one another in silence no one ventured a reply i undertook the matter for the glory of jehovah and the peace of israel continued agrippa in a milder tone if the man hath escaped the just reward of his iniquities it only remains for us to punish his guards for their negligence which thing shall be done straightway let the dogs be fetched will not your royal highness take any steps towards the apprehension of the criminal asked jonathan with an air of displeasure the people hath awaited this day with holy anxiety <laughs> the inhabitants of jerusalem are noted for their holiness said agrippa with an unpleasant smile we will give them sixteen crosses in place of one will that not appease them as for the cunning nazarene ye have my royal permission to make what search for him ye may see fit for ourselves we must be in caesarea to-morrow to celebrate the safe return of the emperor from his expedition into britain a matter of greater moment than the whereabouts of this fellow the guards your majesty will your highness examine them here or here and now in the presence of these honourable members of the most holy council of jerusalem captain of the guards speak how is it that the important prisoner committed to your charge hath escaped the soldier to whom he addressed these words looked up he seemed half paralyzed with terror i i scarce know how it befell great king he stammered we had watched with all diligence during seven days, the quaternions relieving one another in due order. The prisoner was quiet and gave no trouble. He prayed much to his god. Last night he slept early. We— The man stopped short. Speak on, fellow. I know not how it befell, repeated the unhappy wretch, wiping the great drops from his forehead. But a singular stupor crept over us, and when we came to ourselves— th- the prisoner was gone. You slept at your posts, said Agrippa in a terrible voice. What then? Out of sixteen men, was there not one sober enough to observe the king's command? We had drunken nothing, your majesty, save our ordinary allowance of sour wine, replied the soldier with a firmness born of despair. I speak as a dying man. I have not forgotten the word of the king by the soul of my father and by the immortal gods i swear that the man was delivered from his bonds not by an agency of flesh and blood but by some intervention of that strange god to whom he prayed and of this i am the more certain since his fetters showed no sign of violence moreover he had taken time to bind on his sandals and also to fetch his outer garment which hung upon a peg seven paces from the spot where he lay bound to what god did the fellow pray demanded Agrippa. To one Jesus, answered the man steadily. To us who stood on guard about him, and to the two soldiers who bore his chain, he also spoke of the man continually during the days of his captivity. What said he concerning this Jesus? That he was the Prince of Peace, the Son of the Most High God, who so loved men that he gave to them his only Son. He also declared that if we would believe on him, we should receive everlasting life in place of death since jesus also was made alive again after being crucified agrippa threw himself back in his chair a malignant glitter in his black eyes i begin to understand this matter my lords he said addressing the members of the sanhedrin the nazarene hath converted these dogs to his own interests they have therefore released him they shall ban his punishment take them away and crucify them let it be done before the going down of to-day's sun the captain of the guard threw himself at the feet of the king a boon my lord the king he cried a boon as thou thyself dost hope for mercy in thy last hour grant me i pray thee to bear the punishment which thou wouldst have laid upon that other but spare thou these my comrades who are innocent of any misdeed but agrippa seemed not to have heard he did not even glance at the despairing faces of the doomed men take them away he repeated coldly and carry out my will upon them which thing was done straightway before the going down of the sun the chariot of the king passed by the spot where stood the sixteen crosses on which were stretched the bodies of the hapless guard at the sound of the clattering hoofs and ringing harness-bells which marked the approach of the royal equipage the man who had vainly besought the lives of his comrades raised his drooping head death presses hard after thee o king he cried in a loud and terrible voice in thy last hour thou also shalt beg for mercy but it shall not be granted thee the royal cortege swept by without pause the clouds of acrid dust cast up by myriads of hurrying hoof-beats, wrapping the ghastly figures of the sufferers in a suffocating shroud, pierced through and through by agonized shrieks and curses, which pursued the retreating chariot, a black throng of avenging demons. On the day following, that high and mighty personage, Blastus, chamberlain to his powerful majesty, Herod Agrippa, found himself entrusted with a serious and delicate undertaking. The maritime cities of Tyre and Sidon had been unfortunate enough to offend the king in some question relating to the tribute, and now, in the midst of the famine, they found themselves confronted with absolute starvation, unless friendly relations could be re-established betwixt them and Judea deputies from these cities had therefore been sent to caesarea that they might take advantage of the festal occasion to present their plea we have come to thee most excellent blastus said one of the deputies from sidon to the end that thou mayst gain for us the royal ear since it is well known in all the land that there is no one to whom the king listens more attentively than to the wise and prudent blastus to which politic address agreeably prefaced by a large present of money the king's chamberlain lent a willing ear you have not overrated the difficulties of your position my lords he replied with a solemn wag of the head but i am not disinclined to befriend you not indeed because of your gift to me which i have accepted as a matter of duty but because i am sensible of your great misfortune in having fallen under the displeasure of one who is only less great and powerful than claudius caesar himself whom the gods have made the supreme head of human affairs you may therefore send me such gifts and monies as you have prepared for this occasion and i will await a favourable season for presenting the same with your petitions to the end that i may secure you favour with the king on this occasion, at least, Blastus made good his promise, for on the evening of the first day of the festival word came to the waiting ambassadors that Herod would receive them early the following morning in the theatre. Long before dawn the place was crowded. Men, women, and children of every rank, soldiers, courtiers, officials, and slaves, jostled one another in their eagerness to secure good places for the day of pleasure which awaited them there will be a wild beast show to-day besides the gladiatorial combats said a woman to her neighbour as she settled herself comfortably in her place a score of african lions will fight fifty condemned criminals to the death a goodly show i have fetched little marcus to see it though he is sure to give me a deal of trouble before the day is over he always cries at the sight of blood oh shame for a man-child too said the other woman frowning at the little boy who cuddled his curly head beneath a fold of his mother's robe in his embarrassment look now at my daphne only half his years yet she loves to see the gladiators tear each other thou wilt never make a brave soldier boy unless thou learn to look boldly upon scenes of blood that's what i tell him said the mother of the boy crossly hold up your head now do see here is the king coming diana save us cried the other look at his robe where the sun strikes it it hath the look of a garment woven from the light itself but now the royal heralds were trumpeting forth the signal for silence the king was seated upon his throne surrounded by all the splendors of his court himself the most splendid figure of them all Crowned with gems and robed in a marvellous garment of tissued silver. Again the blare of golden throated trumpets, and the deputies from Tyre and Sidon, preceded by a detachment of the royal guard, advanced and bowed themselves before the dais. Agrippa stared at their anxious faces with haughty coldness, as one after another they poured forth their entreaties for his clemency. Our lives and the lives of our little ones are in thy hand, O mighty King, for famine and death press hard upon us. To thee alone we look for succour, in this our extremity, for if we find not favour in thy sight we shall perish off the face of the earth. Do thou, we beseech thee, whom the gods have raised up to a level with themselves, display a godlike generosity to us at this time, and grant us that peace which we covet. "'I have heard your entreaties, men of Tyre and Sidon,' answered Agrippa. "'And I have somewhat to say to you in reply.' Whereupon he reviewed at length the circumstances which had led to their present distresses, bitterly denouncing their past stubbornness and insubordination. "'Famine-stricken and helpless,' he continued, "'ye have appealed to me as one whom the gods have raised high above common mortals.' and now since ye have humbled yourselves and have promised to amend your conduct for the future i hereby graciously accord you my permission to reopen commerce betwixt my kingdom and your famine plagued cities but do not forget that like the father of the gods i grasp the lightning bolt of wrath which shall be loosed to the utter destruction of any city Principality or power which in future ventures to defy me. The king raised his right arm in an authoritative gesture as he spoke the last words. A wandering sunbeam smote the shifting folds of silver tissue to a dazzling effulgence. For an instant, the stately figure seemed to tower to an unearthly stature, robed with splendid light as with a garment. A god! A god! cried a voice from the multitude, "'A god, and not a man hath spoken to us!' The dazzled, awe-struck throng lifted up its myriad voice in one mighty cry, "'A god! A god!' Agrippa made no effort to stay the tumult. "'I know no god greater than myself,' he said within his heart. At that moment the death-angel stood beside the king, a glorious unseen presence his sword was in his hand there is no god greater than myself said agrippa and he laughed aloud the laugh ended in a shriek of agony the invisible sword had descended piercing through splendid robe and gemmed girdle deep into the guilty heart beneath i am dying moaned the king as his frightened courtiers gathered about him he lifted his anguished eyes as if in quest of some help outside that circle of horrified faces then he threw up his hands with a gesture of despair take me away he wailed it is there the bird of fate the bird of death as they lifted him a small brown owl which had been staring solemnly down at the scene flitted noiselessly away with a short sharp cry they carried the king to his palace where he lived for full five days, tortured with pangs unutterable, crying for mercy to a heaven which seemed to him as brass, and to a god whom he knew at last to be greater than himself. Having learned this lesson, he was released from his body of death, and fled away into that great silence whither we may not follow him. End of Chapter Twenty-five. Recording by Heidi Olson.